Uh, sorry, I'm. I don't know how to do an intro anymore. I'm. You I don't. Need to do the intro. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chronically Colon Narnia, our weekly podcast where we go through the Chronicles of Narnia series chapter by chapter and discuss them and analyze them and try to pick apart themes and all that fun college English class stuff. Uh, I guess high school English classes as well. We just think we're more educated than that, I suppose. <laughs> we hope. Uh, this week we are discussing chapter six called... Into- into the forest. Into the forest. And I'm with my co-host here. The Chatelaine of Caraparavel. Wow. Also known as Kristen. And I am Chris, a.k.a. Edmund's Healthy Appetite. Ah, I see. I thought you were going to be a red-breasted Robin. Ah, uh, that was a close one. I, I had it. I thought that I was going to be, I was, I was going to say I'm a red-breasted Robin. Never, but never then, did you see a red breast so red. Yes, but then I was like, Chris is going to pick that. I should not do it. Nope. Anyway. But yours is fancy. Anyway. All, all right. right. Yes. So Edmund's appetite. Uh huh. Also known as Chris. You've been awake for a long time. How are you today? I'm good. I've had a relaxing day off. You have not, and you're, you know. I've only been up for eleven hours. That's yeah. like typical for a person who like. Yeah, and it's also has three o'clock in the afternoon. Dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this is into the woods, into the forest. I keep wanting to say into the woods. No, into but the forest. It's a totally different thing. What's the difference between a forest and a wood? I don't know, research man. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> that wasn't part of the chapter. It wasn't discussed. Uh, well, hang on. <laughs> Interlude music. A wood is an area covered in trees, larger than a grove or a copse. A forest is also an area covered in trees, but it is larger than a wood. There, there you go. That's what Google has to say about that. All right, so they're going into the larger than a wood forest. Yep. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jive right into our... We're going to jive right in. We're going to jive right in. That's a new thing I'm working on. Um, <laughs> I, I have a drum solo to work in here as we drive right in. <laughs> okay. And let's go ahead and do our chapter summaries. All right. Mm. So we begin our discussion of the chapters by going uh, as we read the chapters or after we've read them and then we go back. I don't really know what Chris's um, particular system is. But what we do is we choose five sentences from the chapter and we will um, use those to try to summarize the chapter. So we're going throughout the chapter and picking five sentences to summarize the chapter so i'm gonna go ahead and go first go for question it. mark sure. i'm gonna glow for it are you gonna make fun of all my pronunciations for this entire episode uh, these are just <laughs> wrong words this isn't a pronunciation confusion this is just the wrong word go for it Kristen. <laughs> why i do believe we've got into lucy's wood after all it is all on my account that the poor fawn has got into trouble. Then she turned to the robin and said, Please, can you tell us where Tumnus the fawn has been taken to? The robin appeared to understand the matter thoroughly. 
Has anyone the least idea of the way home from here? Okay. We're getting uh, further away from our in-syncness on these. I chose... <laughs> I had uh, a feeling this one would be a little variable. I chose one sentence that was uh, the same as yours, but in a different place. So, here are mine. And now there was no mistaking it, and all four children stood blinking in the daylight of a winter day. I think Lou ought to be the leader, said Peter. Goodness knows she deserves it. I don't know that I'm going to like this place after all, said Susan. Then she turned to the robin and said, Please, can you tell us where Tumnus the fawn has been taken to? How do we know that the fawns are in the right and the queen, yes, I know, we've been told she's a witch, is in the wrong? Boom, boom, boom. And I was kind of going a different direction with my summary. I yeah. was trying to get a, a piece of dialogue from all of the four children. Okay. That... Uh, kind of emphasize their characters throughout this chapter. Oh, I definitely think that you did. And I, yeah. I like it. I like that you've got Peter kind of focusing on Lucy and he's very much stepped into the protector role in this one. Uh-huh. He immediately apologizes to her when they get there and offers to shake her hand. Yeah. Um, the Susan response is absolutely Susan. Like, And I wrote mm-hmm. that sentence down too. I don't know that I'm going to like this place after all, said Susan. Yeah. And then um, I find it interesting that you labored, labeled yourself as Edmund's appetite, but then didn't use a sentence from the food, like, and there'll be no dinner for us. Oh, just wait till the rewrite. <laughs> okay. <sighs> um, That's what yeah, the entire you, thing's about. Okay, so um, I find the sentence you chose for Edmund to be very telling about uh, Edmund and his kind of perspective where he's challenging questioning about the witch. But he also is the only character who is not taking anything, like, at face value for what the fawn said. Like, he's the only person who's actually challenging, like, that Lucy might possibly have been taken advantage of or told something untrue. Like, because we see Lucy as the source of truth and honesty, Mm -hmm. like anyone who tells Lucy something that she then repeats, therefore, is true. And yeah. honorable and trustworthy, even though we don't actually... And I mean, like, Edmund has a really good point. Like, Well, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves here. This is, like, the very end of the chapter. Okay, let's, I'm just... Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm just responding to your rewrite. That's yeah. that's what I'm responding to. On, on, on your summary, I mean, not rewrite. Uh, but on my summary, I wanted to kind of hit the... Fa- like, these four points. Everyone was all in. Tumness is taken. They decide they should help Tumnus, and then there's a bird. Mm-hmm. Um, I skipped over the helping Tumnus part that they actually decided to do that. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, the sentence, please, can you tell us where Tumnus the fawn has been taken to, kind of acknowledges that. Yeah. So. So I want to throw in a quick acknowledgement here. Um, there's a line at the very beginning that says, And what a filthy smell of camphor, said Edmund. I know! And, I wrote that down, too! Um, and I was just going to throw that out there because it brought up a memory for me. Uh, and this is for you, Joe, if you ever listen to our podcast and ever listen to this episode. Uh, there was this one time that me and a friend of mine were driving down a street in the city we used to live on. It's called, like, Camphor Lane or Camphor Street or something. And this friend says to me completely earnestly... Ah, camphor is my favorite kind of tree. <laughs> and 
That's that's what I think of anytime I see that word. As soon as I saw the word camphor, and then especially where it said "filthy smell of camphor," mm-hmm. I I immediately thought of Joe as well because of that story. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So hi Joe, if you ever listen, uh, how's you know Rivers College going right now? Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, at, at the time of recording, River is a year old. Uh huh. All right, anyway, so um, getting into the actual chapter, all four of the kids go into the wardrobe, and the first thing I wanted to bring up was this thing about the coats, which is subtle foreshadowing, Mm. um, where they put on these coats that are way too big for them because they're cold, uh, and we have this fun little argument between Peter and Susan about whether or not we're stealing the coats. Whether they're actually leaving the wardrobe. But they've never left the wardrobe. They also put in to perspective that they think this whole country is within the wardrobe yeah and not that the wardrobe is a doorway to another world which is interesting and i think it's an interesting concept like the way that they have perceived it is that this is all in the wardrobe uh-huh. and that the wardrobe is magically large yeah and not that this is like the pools where yeah. it is a passage or a doorway to another place period but- that, that led me to, to coming up with this argument that, um, I mean, technically, anybody who lives in America and has, like, a house with a driveway or, like, a place with a parking lot, there is basically an uninterrupted stream of concrete and asphalt that goes from your driveway to every road that connects everywhere in the country. So I could theoretically steal a car and say, no, I haven't left the driveway yet. Uh, <laughs> totally fine. Still in that driveway. Uh, I'm just backing it up for you. And that's that's an, that's the same kind of argument we're making here. But I you've mean, stolen my book. I you did. have your own book. I know. I <laughs> left it in the other room. I just needed to figure out the context of one of the sentences I wrote down. Okay. Um, anyway, what I actually wanted to bring up was they put on these coats, and the book says, and they look more like royal robes than coats that they had when they had put them on, which is very obvious foreshadowing for later in the book interesting see when you started saying foreshadowing i thought you were talking about them talking about not leaving the wardrobe and that they would probably end up losing these coats oh no which is also something that happens yeah so you're focusing on that royal line i Uh i missed that entirely yeah i mean like i saw it but i didn't like focus on it You've skipped something that I wanted to talk about. Oh, go ahead. I have previously referenced um, the use of the article the in front of McCready. Uh-huh. But it wasn't done until this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I referenced it because mm-hmm. I remembered McCready. it from the movies where they were like, the McCready, and they ran away from her in the movie. But they didn't actually say that until the first sentence of this chapter where they call Mrs. McCready... Or Miss McCready. I have uh, unclear. They call her the McCready. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that that happens. So, you know, in order to inform a previous reference I made, we finally got into the thing I was referencing. Um, so she becomes almost like a, uh, a personified force and not really a. Yeah, they're like, person. I wish the McCready <laughs> would get these people out of the house and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, foreshadowing about the royalty thing. Uh, 
they can pretend to be Arctic explorers. Oh, but Wouldn't this place fun? will be so much fun without. Yeah, we don't even have to pretend without here. pretending. And for Susan, that'll last all of about 15 minutes. I mean, um, she <laughs> wasn't happy to be there to begin with. Like, the first thing she said was, I'm, t- I'm, I'm sitting on a tree. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's not happy about this. Yeah. Um, we also have some more... Um, I, I'm, I'm continuing to trace the use of the word beasts throughout the book because of the talking beasts in Narnia. I'm very sad they stopped talking about noses. I know. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but Peter, when Edmund reveals that he has, in fact, been here before. Yep, big revelation. Whoa. Whoops. Yep. Peter whistles. And also, Peter says, of all the poisonous little beasts... Yep. He doesn't um, even finish the thought. He's just, like, too angry. Yep. He can't. That's all he has to say about that. Uh-huh. And... I don't know. Just continuing to follow that trail of beasts. And then Edmund comes back and, you know, out of earshot and is like, oh, I'm going to read this line as Edmund. All right. Gosh, how do I sound fat? Um... <laughs> I'll pay you back for all this, you pack of stuck-up, self-satisfied pigs. That made that was like fifty years old. Um, <laughs> See now, says, now the word prigs, which is a word, sounds yeah. like you just can't say pigs because your tongue is too fat for your mouth. Can I'll, you try that again? I'll pay you all back. I'll pay you all out for this, you pack of stuck-up, self-satisfied prigs. Uh, which I looked up, and prigs is it, this is kind of like a, a redundant sentence because prig means a self-satisfied, superior, moralistic person. Uh, and he's like, you, you stuck up, self-satisfied, self-satisfied, stuck up people. That's basically <laughs> what he's, he's saying. All right. Um, uh, not, not a fun, uh, mid 20th century spelling of the word prick. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I initially thought of, and then I was like, eh, that's a children's book. Yeah. Probably not. Okay. Um, so he is still angry at everybody about this and, you know, wants them to get their comeuppance. Which is so dumb because (laughs) he's the one who, like, lied to all of them, made Lucy look bad, like, hurt her feeling, like, hurt Lucy and did all of this stuff, and he's mad because he got caught lying. Yeah. Like, he's upset and wants them to get their comeuppance. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he got caught lying. Yeah. Like, really? What kind of person do you have to be? I don't know. I, I, I feel like we to need feel to... feel like other people are owed some harm. When we insert ourselves and we get permission from the Lewis estate to write our own version of an Arnia book, uh, which is a thing I've mentioned several times because I have every intention of doing, wink, wink, um... I, I think we should write a prequel specifically about the early childhood of all these children because I feel like there's so much backstory with Edmund here and while, why he hates them all and why he just is totally ready to turn them over to the queen. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's something here to be explored uh, in Edmund's dark and gritty past, you know, mm. as a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I also had one other thing when I talked about beasts and symbolism. Another uh, thing I wanted to point out was that uh, Peter refers to this as Lucy's wood. I believe we've all got into Lucy's wood. Uh-huh. Um, 
and just the way that they've kind of like colonially uh, claimed the the right of ownership on it. Uh-huh. Um, and just like being like, oh yeah, she discovered the path here, therefore it's Lucy's wood. But it's also more about like the story. Like when I talk about a place and I'm like, oh yeah, no, the the camphor is Joe's tree. <laughs> like that's uh-huh. you know, I'm not I'm not trying to take ownership of that tree for Joe, but like <laughs> in my head that's what it represents is, you know, my friend Joe and his love of that tree. Mm-hmm. Um as a thing. Um, so yeah, and we have this whole little tension moment, and then we have the suggestion of going to see Mr. Tumnus, which I'll jump in here and get into some, like, not necessarily metafiction, but a what-if type situation. Uh, this story would have ended just, like, right here if they hadn't seen Mr. Tumnus in the first place, because they would have gone in there, and Peter would have been like, hey, Lucy, where do you want to go? And Lucy would have been like, <laughs> there's a bunch of forest, there's nothing here. All right, let's turn around and go home. In book. No way. These are kids. Like, Peter was just like, we could have so much fun here without pretending to be Arctic explorers. Like, like they already had plans on how to play here. And this, like, from 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 jump. And, like, that is all of the more reason that they would have gone exploring and had an adventure. Yeah. And it's super fun. And this made me feel old as well. Because my my thought about this was, like, have you ever wandered around in a forest for any length of time? I have. Hiking's fun and pretty and a good use of a day or three days if you're trying to get somewhere specific. But if you're just wandering around in a forest, it gets real boring after about 10 minutes. <laughs> like, there's nothing to see. It's just tree after tree after tree after tree after But rock. if you're pretending to be an Arctic <laughs> explorer, it could be lots of fun. Yeah. Like, it's pretty. It, forests are pretty. Don't get me wrong. Love the forest. Just don't know how much time I could wander around in one without an actual goal in mind. Okay, but you're justifying <laughs> something that does not address the argument yeah. <laughs> I make, which is that for playing Arctic Explorers is fun. I, I have never played Arctic Explorers. Maybe we can do that tonight after the podcast. There's no snow outside. Oh, uh, we can. I mean, this wet <laughs> stuff is snow. Uh-huh. It sounds LARP fake. with me! No. Okay, no. Um, <sighs> but Chris, LARP with me. Um, okay, so we are coming back to our record after having computer issues. Yep. Um, so we're coming back into it. We If we skip over anything or we don't make sense, we're sorry. And we're much more tired now. Yes. <sighs> Good times. But we had a delicious dinner. But Kristen is the taskmaster who's like, these people need their episode on Monday. No, they cannot wait another I'm day for not going to be able to do it tomorrow because <laughs> tomorrow is the event in the evening. So I'm going straight from work to that. We can edit there. No, we can't. <laughs> we can, but we, we don't have recorded contents is the issue. <laughs> yeah. Even if I was going to edit it there. All right, so we're back. That all that aside, we left off talking about Arctic explorers and how these yep. are kids who would have had a fun time here, even if Lucy hadn't met Mister Tumnus the first time. Uh, arguable, but yes. Well, and and you say that, but we also have their initial knee jerk reaction to this being some woods, as them being like, "We're gonna explore, and this is fun, and this is awesome." Not Except for like Susan. well, besides Susan. <laughs> Yeah, that's Susan. Anyway, um, were were you Susan as a child? You seem like a Susan. Hey, <laughs> I was. I loved to 
LARP. Okay. You're just, you're just, resp- no, dude, you're like, responsible and you're, you know. The like, church up the street from my house had these bushes right next to a raised path, like a raised uh, walkway. And so we would step on the other side of the guardrail on the walkway and walk on top of the bushes because they were firm enough and it felt like you were walking in clouds because your feet sunk into the bushes. Um, Until and, you had that spot that was trying too far down and you just fall right into the Yes, bush. absolutely. More than once. I definitely got <laughs> stabbed in the leg by that bush. Anyway, many times. But I always was like, oh, I can walk on clouds and I can walk in the air and I can fly and... See, in Florida, those bushes were full of snakes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Here they were full of spiders. A... Um, anyway, so uh, kids exploring. Lucy's going to take them to Mr. Tumnus's house. Be like, hey, let's go meet Mr. Tumnus. You know, he's he made has... it abundantly clear that, you know, Lucy is a danger to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's go again and see him more. But he's got toast for everybody. I I think he gave it all to Lucy. I think he's fresh out of toast. <laughs> he's fresh out. Mm-hmm. So we have this moment where Lucy says... Hey, quick question. Huh? Since we're, you know, we, we need to pod, pad this podcast out for time, or pod this podcast, <laughs> as the case may be. Um, in, in ye olden days, back before the advent of the electric toaster, how would you make toast? Over the, the, the toasty fire. Okay. Because it's a toasty fire. Yeah, just take a slice of bread and like hold it in some tongs and twirl it around. You toast a marshmallow over a fire. Yeah, I just... You can toast a bread over the fire. I've never thought about like toast before the toaster, and I don't know. Well, Chris, toast predates the toaster. (laughs) I Uh, hate to tell you this. I'm not going to go into another research minute. Uh, Anyway, so... As I was saying before you interrupted me with toast talk... With toast talk. Toast talk talk with tumness. You wanted tea with tumness, nah... Some toast talk with Tumnus. So, we, we go to Tumnus' house. this sentence, yeah. which I have tried to read three times now. Uh-huh. Let me read it. Go for it. At first, she, Lucy, wondered whether she would be able to find the way, but she recognized an odd-looking tree in one place and a stump in another and brought them to where the ground became uneven and into the little valley and at last to the very door of Mr. Tumnus's cave. What happened the second time she came here? Like, she's been here twice now. Yeah. This is the third time she's been here. The second time she was here, she ran off into the woods and got far enough away from the lamppost that Edmund, she couldn't hear Edmund calling after her and, like, didn't see the queen or any of this stuff that happened with Edmund and, and the witch. So, like, did she just happen to bump into Tumnus at the at the lamppost again and he took her back to his house again or what like what like Wait, well, I mean she said that she talked to him so like how how is she so lost this time trying to get back to his house I don't know these these plot holes that we just can't escape from I don't I'm just confused um so anyway uh Tumnus's house is completely ransacked and gone through and turned over and obviously there was some sort of struggle here yep his crockery is broken his he broke his crockery the fires all you over know, the place the tore. picture of his dad's all tore up you know seems petty yeah but uh obviously there's a struggle and so i mean good for tumness he didn't go without a fight uh, yeah <laughs> if only they hadn't Unless he did, and they just, like, decided to be vengeful and wreck his house because <laughs> also, screw Tumnus. Also possible. <sighs> I mean, it's character world-building for the bad guys. Yeah. For Maurog or whatever the... Malgrim. 
Malgrim, the chief of the secret police. Yes. And so if Malgrim hadn't knocked the door to Splinters, maybe he could have put the sign on the door that they find nailed to the carpet. Can you read the read the uh, sign that they have for us? Uh, yes, but before I do that, I will comment. Well, let's read the thing first. What then do you I have know? some fun research to get into. Okay. You did research? Yeah. Uh, Besides well, Prig? I'm reading somebody else's research. Okay. Um, <laughs> but here is this fun note that we find nailed to the carpet, which I will say, really weird place to put a note if you're trying to get anybody to read it. Like, yeah. who, who goes into a ransacked house and is looking around at the floor a lot. Um, I, I don't mean, know. But like I said, if only they'd left the door intact. Notice as follows. The former occupant of these premises, the Fawn Tumnus, is under arrest awaiting his trial on a charge of high treason against her Imperial Majesty Jadis, Queen of Narnia, Chatelaine of Caer Paravel, Empress of the Lone Islands, etc. Also of comforting her said Majesty's enemies, harboring spies, and fraternizing with humans. Signed, Mulgrim, Captain of the Secret Police, long live the Queen. So... A lot of, lot of things go on in that note there that we can go into. This is the first time we've officially been introduced to Jadis as Jadis. As Jadis, yes. Uh, Her Majesty Jadis, Queen of all of Narnia, uh, Chatelaine of Caraparavel. Chatelaine being uh, a woman that's in charge of a manor or house. Yes, which... that is that is uh, the dated expression. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a woman in charge of a large house. Historically, it's also... A reference to um, like short chains that would be kept, that keys and other things would be kept on um, that a woman would use or like attach to her belt and have like chains that held keys. So it's a, a precursor to a keychain. Uh-huh. But it also, um, I found that to be an interesting kind of image because Caraparavel is the castle, is where the castle is. Uh-huh. Um, and. So, like, she's, she's yes, she's in charge of the large house of Caraparavel, the castle, but she's also uh, got, like, the keys to the castle. So, kind of a weird choice to include that, because, like, we have Imperial Majesty Jade is Queen of Narnia and Empress of the Lone Islands, and also I got this castle somewhere, and it's kind of a big deal. But, um... <laughs> yeah. So... But she's Imperial Majesty. Another thing to touch on in this note, uh, we have, it says he's also guilty of comforting her said Majesty's enemies, uh, which, how does anybody know that? Because they could smell the toast. <laughs> well, maybe Tumnus makes a lot of toast for himself. I mean, like, who I, knows? <sighs> who knows? Is there Was there a spy? Was there like well, a church mouse hiding in one of the crockery that was like reporting everything back to Jadis? I mean... I, doesn't Tumnus say even some of the trees are her spies or something? Yeah. Or am I remembering from the movie and not the book? Uh, maybe. Whoops. Maybe you're remembering from Lord of the Rings. It's a different series. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, fraternizing with humans. Signed, Mulgrim. Mulgrim, captain of the secret police. Which, couple things here. So, I have something to bring up, which is research done by somebody else. That Tell brings up an interesting point. More. Um, what does Malgram mean in Turkish? Well, it's, it, I don't have any. <laughs> so this is from a blog called Unlocked Word Horde. Okay. And this is some some stuff. Uh, 
And this author says, uh, in the review of Lion, in my review of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I commented that the name of the captain of the White Witch's secret police was Malgrim from the British editions of the book, rather than Fenris Ulf from the American editions. That's okay. Now that <clears throat> I read it as Malgrim in my edition too. So we both. But have I remember editions. him being Fenris. Yes. I do remember his name being Fenris. Okay. Now you're hurting my brain. <laughs> So yes, Fenris Ulf in the American editions. Uh, I mentioned that I didn't know the history of how that change had come about. Well, asking you shall receive regular reader Ian M. Slater. So this is us reading a blog post written by somebody who is referencing a reader of said blog who did the research on it. This is like five layers deep of us not actually bothering to put effort <laughs> into this podcast. And I'm not going to read all of this because there's a lot of stuff, but he says... Uh, the substitution of Fenris Ulf for Malgrim is an interesting example of a highly specific, externally verifiable illusion replacing Lewis's own invention. There is apparently no source for Malgrim, although I was once under the impression that a version of Reynard the Fox had something similar. There are a few others, plus some other changes, all of which are documented in the successive editions of Paul F. Ford's Companion to Narnia, which is a book we should look into, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's not the one we have. Um... The 1994 edition decried and announced a change from the American to British text and how it continued to protest in the new 2005 edition. Uh, Ford makes a good case that the revisions were made by Lewis in galleys and were desperate in, in deli- were deliberate improvements in some cases, responses to observations by readers and worth preserving. In connection with Fenris, he points out that the Norse material was injected into Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe at another point, a substitution of the world ash tree for the firestones of the sacred hill, in one of the White Winch's comments. The Norse element in the whole book seems to have been made a little more overt, as if to counterweight the existing very obvious classical material. Interesting. So it was just an incorporation of more Norse Norse imagery. Imagery. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was too classical? Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, that's kind of like in vogue, though, at the time, was to be more classical as opposed to... Yeah, so Malgrim was a thing completely invented by Lewis uh, and then replaced in the later American editions by more Norse-sounding thingies. Interesting. So there you go. Uh, that's, that, that wasn't like an actual research moment. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> we, we dove in there. See, but I already used the choral music on the other one. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So. Um, so we have this note, and then the children put together a rescue mission, or they want to. Um, which I think is a terrible idea. Yeah, but... I mean, they came... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lucy's like, well, it's clearly my fault. Yes. Duh. Mm-hmm. You you endangered him by coming here this time, much less last time. Like, you were a danger to him coming here the first time, Lucy. Yeah. Like, he made that clear. Why did you come back? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That was an interesting sound. Um, this is why. This is why I don't like children. <laughs> this is why you don't want children because they will set off to rescue a fawn uh, that they and, endangered they, they multiple endangered. times. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I think the interesting part of this whole rescue mission is not only is this a, a, a stupid idea because you know at they this point. Even and like they they can kind of get from the lamppost yeah. to Dumnus's house, maybe. They don't know anything about Narnia or what's here. They don't know anything about Jadis, who 
Lucy tells them in this moment is the witch and she's an awful person and Tumnus has told her all about it. Yes, and, um, and we're, like, completely taking Lucy's word for that. Yeah. Like, we don't know, like, none of these people have met Tumnus. None of them know even the remotest bit of his integrity or ability to be trusted. Yeah. They just, because Lucy said it and she's the more trustworthy one, like, it is fact. Yeah. Like. He gave me toast. He's got to be for something. Anyone could have, like, <laughs> anyone could have told, like. Edmund is right. Edmund is like, well, he's, you know, she said that he saved her. He said that he saved her. He said that he's on the side of good to Lucy, who then told us, like, to be we fair. don't know. But, like, no, 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 like, <laughs> no. Don't to be fair me. I'm making an argument that Edmund is actually making a very good point toward the end of the chapter when he's talking to Peter, being like, how do we know this witch is a witch and she's bad and that... And that Tumnus is good and these fawns are good. Like, how do we know that? Because all we have to go on is Lucy's word that he gave her toast. Accurate. Like, if Lucy repeats something, it is true? Like, she's incapable of repeating a lie? Apparently. To be fair, you know, if I, like, make you a bunch of toast with fun toppings, you'll trust me for at least a day afterwards. But, I, I mean, I trust you anyway, so it's not, but I mean, you know. Toast helps. I would like you more. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but I think the most interesting part of this is that the voices of dissent are saying none of these things, but are in fact decrying the fact that they don't have any snacks with them. Oh, uh, they yes, Susan. They didn't, they didn't bring any food, like. We don't know anything about the land or the people or the witch or, you know, where to go or how to do it. None of those things are problems. The fact that we didn't bring enough, like, jerky and, like, trail mix, that is, <laughs> that is the issue here. And Peter's even just like, oh, well, should we risk it and try to run back to the house and go to the larder and grab some food? And I'm like, how long, let me, how long do you think you're going to be gone? Because, like, <laughs> if you're gone long enough to need food, like, you need more stuff. Like, you need, like, a tent, and you need more clothes, and you need a bunch of, like, adventuring gear. Yeah. Like. Some snowshoes. Yeah, some snowshoes. Like, clothes that fit. Like, maybe, I don't know, fire pokers or weapons or something like that. Like, you would need a lot more stuff if you're going to be gone. Fire pokers or weapons. Well, I'm trying to think of, like, weaponry that would be accessible to children within this house. There's a suit of armor in the house, Chris. There's yeah. probably a sword. Uh, maybe. Um, it's been referenced, like, three times so far. Yeah, and they just want to get the food. Uh, and there's this whole argument over that. Um, and I don't think it's an argument. I think it's more of just, like... We're all thinking out loud that we have the same problem. And but then doesn't want to go. But but then there's just a bird. Then there's a bird. Go on. Well, I, I mean, You had like, things to say about the robin. Well, uh, oh, yes, I did. I did have <laughs> things to say about the robin. Um, Very red breast that robin has. Yes, it does. The robin symbolically is used in literature and in, in mythos to be a representation of spring and growth. Like, as, as a symbol, the robin usually represents spring, springtime, growth. Uh -huh. And we're talking about a land that is always in winter. Yeah. And it's never Christmas. Which I, is a thing we've mentioned a few times, and I'd like to jump here, in here and say that winter officially starts on December 22nd. And as we know, Christmas falls three days later. 
So yes. like we this can, is three days of winter over and over yeah, for three hundred yeah, years. We can surmise that it's been December twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fourth for centuries. Yep. Which seems like a you know, I can understand why that would be grim in a terrible time. It is a terrible time. <laughs> um, but we have the robin there, which is the symbol of spring and growth, and we have like this land of desolate winter mm-hmm. for all of these many, many, many years. Uh-huh. Um, under the queen's thumb, and suddenly there's a robin. And you have um, Lucy talking to the bird, and it's leading them somewhere, maybe. It seemed to thoroughly understand. Not a talking beast, doesn't but does seem to be talking. It doesn't seem to be willing to talk, even if it could. Uh-huh. Um, but it says the robin appeared to understand the matter thoroughly and is then essentially leading them step by step further away from home. Yeah. And Edmund is the one who goes to Peter and says uh how 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 do we know we can trust this bird? Like what if it's working for the witch? What if it's leading us into a trap? And Peter's just like well, I never read a story about a bird that or about a robin that was bad. So, I mean, like, symbolically, we have this robin representing, you know, like spring, rebirth, essentially the newness that comes after winter. Yeah. But we also have Peter just straight up being like, yeah, I never read a story about a bad robin. So, um... Have you ever read a story about a good robin? Like, point to me a robin story that you've heard. See, and I tried to think about a story about a robin. The only one I could think of was Christopher Robin. (laughs) And that's the... Whole different I, thing. Yeah, no, but like seriously, I tried to think about any story that involved a robin, and I was like, the bluebird of happiness in in Cape Hacks? No, uh-huh. like, um, see, Christopher Robin though was in a wood. Yes, a forest, totally different. Totally different. <laughs> different bird, different structure of trees. <laughs> Still talking animals though. Yes. I mean, parallels. Yep. I mean, parallels. Should we like? Can we equate tumness and poo? Is that like a thing we can uh, Maybe, get into? I think tumness might be more like owl. Is he wise? I think I think he's meant to be. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, we. Have, <laughs> um. But yeah, no. The robin becomes this leading figure that's leading them off into the woods, farther from home, and also Edmund is the only one who's pointing out, yo. Do any are any of us paying attention on how to get home? No, we're not. We're lost now. We're stuck. Well, we know he's also trying to undermine the entire party. So, yes, but I mean, regardless kind of, his... of whether or not he's trying to undermine them, like they are so mad at him and so upset that they are not actually listening to the very reasonable <laughs> things he is saying. Yeah, because he is making some really good points about the situation that they put themselves in. Uh-huh. Besides needing food, which he agreed with. Uh-huh. Besides not wanting to go wander into the woods. Besides the actual argument that they don't know the geopolitical situation here. Uh-huh. Like they don't know who the good guys are. He's also pointing out that they're getting lost. I mean, I would say that you know, were you trusting a bird? Were you a reasonable adult, like? And going into this situation, there might not be a lot of pointers as to what the political climate is or anything. But the fact that the queen has a secret police force probably tells you a lot. Uh, Every government (laughs) has a secret police force. They just call them different things. Uh What's ours called? Let's get Alexa. (laughs) It's 
called the listening devices in your phones. Uh-huh. Uh, the they NSA. don't need actual people to work for them anymore. <laughs> they just have computers that track all of your words. And... It's all AIs. Yep. Uh, and so we're going on a mission. We don't know where we're going or how we're getting there aside, you know, following a robin. Like, hopefully the robin doesn't fly, like, across a giant river or something. Like, that kind of would put an end to it. Um, yeah, anything else we need to touch on here? I mean, realistically, I think that's about all that's actually happening in yeah. this chapter. Um, I got to talk about the symbolism of the robin. You talked about the symbolism of the coats. I do want to follow those coats because we did talk about them foreshadowing that both the royal perspective of them, uh-huh. but also like the fact that they're going to lose them. Uh-huh. I want to keep following the coats and see what what they symbolized up to, you know, obviously they're going to be paralleling winter, but uh-huh. like I want to see if there's been a mental change when the coats go away. Yeah. Um are coats the new beasts? No, no, no I, okay. I'm going to keep up with the beasts. Also and coats. Also coats. Uh-huh. Um, let me see. The McCready. I mean, when we get to, when my Aslan's introduced for the first time, and, you know, arguably we have a beast with a coat. But just... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Um, wow, actually. <laughs> I mean, his mane. Um, yeah. And then the queen tries to make a coat out of... Oh, Shoot. All right. Uh, this coat symbolism here, though. The coat symbolism is too much for me, Chris. <laughs> Why did you have to bring it up? I was perfectly oblivious. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anything else that you wanted to touch on or talk about? Um. Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered everything as far as like fun symbolicy things goes. Uh, why do you think the the robin is described in the way it is like we know the robin is like a you know it's a story bird and you know they've been symbolized things and they symbolize spring but then three times in this paragraph we have them talking about the appearance of the robin and how red its breast and how sharp its eye was and like you've never seen a prettier robin and like it's very i mean they're they've talked so much about the bleak winter landscape Mm -hmm. that i think it is more about how very visible and obvious and unignorable it is. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to roll this back to like the overly described bird in the garden in uh, Magician's, Magician's nephew. Nephew, yeah. And there we we come to a you know a bird perched in a tree that is Got again flashy eyes and uh, overly described. Yeah. So is there a theme here with uh, with Narnian flashy birds. birds? I don't know. Maybe that one is like some ancestor of this little <laughs> robin dude. Yeah, I, I have not read any of the other books in the series, uh, so I can't tell so you. So we'll keep birds. looking for birds throughout. Let's look for birds. All right, birds. <laughs> Could be our new segment. Bird watching. <laughs> Let's go into bird watching with Chris. <laughs> I was I was trying to think of a character from the book with the name that started with B. So I'm like b- bird watching with the beavers. I could use that as like an avenue for you know. You letting me get a pet bird. Uh, They're so noisy, though. <laughs> so are children. Yes, so is the next door neighbor learning <laughs> to play Seven Nation Army on his guitar. <laughs> uh, now I know how annoying that sound, apparently. I haven't heard it. Is it electric? Because that would be loud. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, it is. Mine's probably not that annoying then. Okay. Um. So let's go into our next segment. Uh, Narnia Chopped. 
See, That's but we it. got we, we finally <laughs> got another vote, so the vote is currently split. Between Narnia Chopped and... And Narnia Chopped and Screwed. And Chopped and Screwed. All right. Nobody likes my fusion buffet. <laughs> I am so unappreciated. I appreciate you a lot. Yes. So let's go into Narnia Chopped and Screwed. Uh, this is a segment where we go and pick five more sentences out of the chapter, and we try to read our whole new story. All right, go. Okay. Tell me when you're back. Okay. I have my sentences here. All right, you're back. Yeah. And... <laughs> Um, so we're rewriting, we're taking the chapter, we are pulling out five sentences um, strategically in order to build a new story. A new narrative. A new narrative. It's a good um, word. With the pieces that are presented to us in the story. So, um, Chris, are you still continuing your same story? You said that you were trying to continue this idea I was that you were going to build an overarching story uh, from of every narrative chapter of, of between uh the, you know this torrid love affair between the adults lucy and edmund who are not related um was gonna th- was trying to uh edmund has so little dialogue in this chapter it's hard this chapter he has tons he has of like dialogue. three lines and he they're all a- antagonistic one of them was like i'm gonna get you prigs one of them's like we don't have any food and you he know he has so much dialogue <laughs> in this chapter being like Hey, you know... This is we, a bad idea that we came here. A waste we, of time this was. I mean, I guess I could have done something with it. Yeah. And but, then you have, like... I don't know. Oh, shut up, you. You've got some good... Yeah. Anyway, so I... I, I really believe he means us to follow him, said Lucy. But I, did, I did have a, a fun story that I right. think I came up with. So Tell here us your fun story. I'm worried about having no food with us. A lot we could do, said Edmund. And we haven't even got anything to eat. Look, there's a robin with such a red breast. Still, a robin, you know. There it perched and looked at them very hard, as if it understood all they had been saying. And it's just gonna let them kill him, kill it, and eat it. <laughs> Possibly. This is my my storyline: a bunch of hungry people wandering around in the woods and seeing, you know, a, a robin, bird, a bird, and wanting to kill it okay. and the robin is like just sitting there yeah being like i know what you're saying fool anyway try yeah. try me there you go try <laughs> me maybe All this right. could be my new story where like this is a battle between the forces of these children and the robin um <laughs> and the robin's clever it's a clever red-breasted <laughs> devil um all right so my rewrite "'What is this?' said Peter, stooping down. "'Ugh!' said Susan, stamping her feet. "'It's pretty cold.' "'Great Scott!' said Peter. "'And this wet stuff is snow!' There was a dead silence. Okay. Throw me a concept. (laughs) I don't know. Someone leaned down and found snow. That's... I just really wanted to use the endless wet stuff as snow. <laughs> Is that how I reacted the first time I saw snow? You were there. Yeah, no. You went, <gasps> <laughs> Loses something when you can't see the look on your face. Yeah. All right. So, uh, cool. We wrote stories again. We wrote stories some, again. At some point, we'll find a good ending to this segment that doesn't just, be, you know, well, isn't just us being like, Hey, I mean, cool. That's no, good. That's I mean, a thing. What we what I usually do at the end of this segment is see how what our rewrite 
did informed the to see how our rewrite informed our reading. Because yeah. you've taken, you know, this idea of the bird being aware of their need for food. Maybe mm-hmm. the bird is just actually trying to lead them to food and doesn't care <laughs> about tumness. Maybe it's like, maybe it literally like understands the situation thoroughly and is trying to get them food. Uh-huh. Like that could very well be it. Or it's leading them out in the middle of the woods to freeze to death and feed the other woodland critters. Yes. I mean, the bird might be hungry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also in mine, like, we have just this dopey moment of someone being like, Great Scott, it's snow! Ugh. And it's pretty cold. Uh-huh. And I'm just kind of reflecting the, the attitudes of the characters, kind of in the way you did in your summary. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just also really liked... There was a dead silence. That sentence made me yeah, happy. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and segue on into your our, happy section. Our, let's get into my happy, my happy section here. Yep. Let's get into uh, your happy section. And this is the session that we, the section that we close out the podcast with where we look at the chapter as a whole, give it a rating based on a five star system. We uh, is a generous term. Yep, I give it a rating based on a five-star system just to say how well I think this chapter did what I think it set out to do. Uh, Kristen always comes up with whatever rating system we use. What what are we rating it out of this time? Robins? No, I was going to say shreds of the picture of Tumnus's father. Ooh, getting real dark here. Last time you wanted to do madness. Yep. Um, Last time I did do madness. Let's rate it out of shards of regret. Uh. Yes. <laughs> Pieces of crockery. Pieces. Oh, there we go. Okay. Pieces of crockery. Stolen coats. Yeah, there's a lot of things. This is like <laughs> we've had a lot of choice in this chapter, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, notes from the secret police. Uh, okay, let's do shards of crockery though. So, this chapter I think did a, a nice little bit of world building. Like we have the note that, and it gives us more of an idea of who the queen jadis is and how far reaching she is in this world and the power that she has all the way to the lone islands we don't know where that is but like the, just the power There's that in your book i yes still don't know where it is and really like how, whatever okay um i'm just telling you this is what it feels like to be me when you interrupt me thank you <laughs> um so anyway, we get a little uh, taste of kind of who Jadis is. We have character building moments for all of the four children. They're all finally in Narnia. We get to learn a little bit more about them uh, and the archetypes that they embody because they're all an archetype, very obviously, at this point. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of like actual action here. And as far as like, as far as, like things that take place in this chapter, they go into the woods... They don't find Tumnus. They find a note. They go off to try to find Tumnus. Like, they meet a very nice robin. They meet a very nice robin, but the chapter begins and ends with them trying to find Tumnus. Yep. And that's... They made no progress Made in no their progress goal. whatsoever. Uh, so, in fact, they got further from their goal. <laughs> in a manner of speaking, sure. Um, so, yeah. Action-wise, it's really low, but there's some good interplay between the characters and some good world building. So let's go 3.75, 3.8 shards of uh, crockery. Cool. Somewhere around there. Yeah. 
I give it a cast iron toast skillet. That wasn't even a thing that was in the chapter. Nope. You're just, you're putting things in the fiction now. He made toast. <laughs> he has crockery. One can assume he has a toasty skillet. <laughs> I feel like it's a perfectly valid assessment of the chapter. This would be your doctor level thesis. They went looking for the skillet toast man and he wasn't there. <laughs> Or was he? We don't know where he is. It's going to be a Creston's doctoral thesis in a few years. <laughs> the, the, the lion, the witch, and the walk, the search for uh, hidden cooking implements in Narnia. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but how did he make the toast? <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, until next time, you can... Uh, contact us at chronically podcast on facebook instagram follow us there you can tweet at us at chronically pod and twitter you can send us an email with your fan art of broken crockery broken crockery and ransacked apartments uh uh nathan if you want to send us a fan art of the the bottom of a toast skillet <laughs> seems like in line with your general uh thing you can email all those at the chronically podcast at gmail.com and until you next week... You could also send us your own chapter rewrites of your Narnia You could do that. Nobody's screwed. done that yet. And we've, we, will, we will read them on the show if you send them to us. Come on, Nathan. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Uh-huh. You know, what was that? You, you say that like I literally hoard snacks in my pockets. Maybe you should. <laughs> Maybe I should. You have a better day. Valid. Hey, we're, quick question. Huh? Since we're, you know, we, we need to pod, pad this podcast out for time, or pod this podcast, <laughs> as the case may be. Which, while I find it interesting... Uh, like you, like, while I find it, sorry, I had to burp, (laughs) um, while I find it, I'm gonna wait till the plane's done. (laughs) You're, you're struggling. (laughs) Kristen. (laughs) No, like. Doing a clean podcast is really hard sometimes. Anyway, Red Robin. No. All right. Let's let's go back. I mean, Lucy's like, well, it's clearly my fault. Yes. Duh. The Robin's clever. That clever red-breasted <laughs> devil. Um. All right. So, my rewrite make a joke that you can edit out later i dated one of those once (laughs) no that was just a redhead (laughs) um my rewrite